Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. So today is Family Sunday, and so if you are new to River City, what this means is our elementary children, elementary-aged children, will be in service with us. Um, we love Family Sunday, even though it might be a little bit messier, a little bit louder. Um, we love it because we believe that our children are a vital part of our community, um, we want them to worship with us. We want them to see us engage in worship and in community with each other. So um, a lot of times we are so intent on giving our children this separate space that when they are reintroduced to the whole community, it feels really foreign um, because they've been so used to being in a kids' church. So we love that we have special curriculum for our children so that they can learn on their level. We also feel like it's really important that they are familiar with the body, right, intergenerationally. So um, eventually they will come. I don't even see my kids. Who knows where they are? So eventually they'll all be in here. I'm sure they'll come running in or skating in on their heelys. So that's why they're in here. We love it. Um, so welcome. Glad you are all here. Um, if you will please stand with me. I just feel like today um, is going to be a really sweet Sunday. Um, we were talking uh, before service about this sense of joy um, that many of us are feeling today. And what a beautiful fruit of the Spirit to experience, right? Um, because in our broken world, um, joy is staring the evil and the brokenness in the face and saying, um, I can still exist in joy because Christ, right? Um, so sometimes we push through to the joy when we don't feel it, and sometimes we get to feel it. Um, so I just want to encourage you, whether you're feeling it or not, to press into that and to just enjoy being here, being alive, notice the trees and the sun and creation. Um, last night I was telling my son how 
I'm so blessed that I can go to sleep and put him to bed and not feel worried about our safety during the night, right? Like that is a blessing. So maybe you need to just be reminded today that we can still have joy even in this broken world. So I'm going to lead you in a psalm, and if you will follow along um, by looking at the screen or if you need to close your eyes and just listen. So if you'll take a deep breath. Psalm 145, and I'll read it to you. You don't have to read with me. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. I want you to close your eyes. I'm just going to pray that last passage over you. The Lord is gracious and merciful to you, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to you, and his mercy is over all that he has made. And so... Holy Spirit, we ask that that statement would begin to rest deep inside in our spirits. That you are gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in love, and that you are good and merciful. And let us be filled with joy at that truth. We are thankful that we serve a God that is slow to anger and abounding in love, who would put on flesh and be crucified, dead, and buried, only to raise again and raise us with him also to life. Let us rejoice in that knowledge today in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's just take a moment and just just express gratitude. Even if you have to scour your heart to find something you're thankful for, maybe it's just that, just that you're able to scour your heart to find something you're thankful for. Some can't. So we just want to say thank you, Father, that before we move forward in today, we've already received more than is really imaginable. We want to thank you that through the body and blood of Christ, everything has been given to us as a gift that we decide if we want to receive, so we receive it communally. We thank you that we're in this room where there's AC and people who have smiles or kind of smiles. We thank you that we can listen to beautiful worship but also participate. Thank you that we have clothes and money. We thank you that we have places to sleep. We thank you 
God, we thank you for being incredibly blessed before we have prayer requests. So we recognize that. We're already thankful. Let that be the gratitude. Let that be the, the, when people walk into this church, when people walk out of this church, let a sense of gratitude be evident in our hearts as we dream and as we cry out and as we reach into the future. Let us do so knowing that we're already the most gifted and most loved people on the planet. We're your beloved. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. How are we doing? It's good to see all of you here. I guess we didn't make it. I guess we did make it. I don't know. Yesterday was supposed to be some incredibly important day, and we're all still sitting here. So congratulations, or sorry, I don't know what the right response to that is, um, but it's the 24th and we're all still here. So, welcome. Some of you may not know what I'm talking about, and that's okay. Half the room gets it, and that's fine with me. Um, all right, uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump right in. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your presence in this room. Um, I thank you for your constant, your constancy. Um, I thank you for, for coming down and walking among us, um, being beside us, whether we're on a mountaintop or we're in a valley. Um, I thank you that you didn't come here to create hierarchies. You came here for us right where we are. Um, and that's all you ask. Come follow me. And we thank you for that. Amen. All right. Okay, so we're in the book of Mark, um, still on our journey to learn who Jesus is. We've watched as he's been living with the disciples and teaching them how he's not the Messiah they thought he would be. They're not the, he's not the Messiah they've been waiting for. We're in the middle of chapter 10 now, and we see that on many levels the disciples still don't get it which is fine. They'll figure it out. The last couple of weeks, we've hit on two of the most popular topics people love to hear about in church, hell and divorce. <laughs> I mean, does it get much better than that? We even threw a millstone around the neck just for fun. Um, today, we're going to up the ante, right? Today, we're going to talk about you selling all your possessions and giving them away. So who's with me? <laughs> for the trifecta. All right, we're going to start here with uh, verse 13 in uh, Mark chapter 10. You can follow along above me, I hope. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, 
You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, we have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. All right, remember the last time I spoke, hopefully some of you remember, we talked about two important questions to consider when we're studying scripture. One, why did Mark include these verses where he did in this chapter? And two, why did these stories endure? Keep those questions in mind as we move along here and try to unpack them. All right, so after the divorce verses we talked about last week, Mark tells us about an occasion where people are bringing their children to Jesus. It was customary for Jewish parents to bring their children to be blessed by a good teacher, but the disciples rebuked them for doing so. Now, if you recall in chapter 9, Jesus asked the disciples what they were arguing about on their way to Capernaum. But they don't tell him what they were arguing about, uh, that they were arguing about who, who among them was the greatest. Now, Jesus knew what they were arguing about because he's Jesus. Instead of being blunt, though, Jesus tells them that if anyone wants to be first, he must be the servant of all. Then, to punctuate his point, he scoops up a little child in his arms and says, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. So here in chapter 10, parents are bringing their little children to be blessed by Jesus. And when the disciples rebuke the parents, Jesus becomes indignant, telling them to let the little children come. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. What does that mean, such as these? Before we go there, let's recall the whole divorce question that came up at the beginning of chapter 10. That question was a trap by the Pharisees. They weren't coming to Jesus to be taken into his arms and to sit in his lap and to listen to what he had to say to them. They had an agenda to get, to get him to say something that they could use as evidence against him to, to support their plan to rid their community of him. Now against this image of the Pharisees trying to trap Jesus with a question, Mark tells us this story about Jesus welcoming these little children who were there to be blessed. They have no agenda. Their parents might but these children don't. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. These children. Children bear a certain humility. They tend to be more trusting. They tend to accept authority and have confidence in people. They tend to have short memories. They don't bear grudges or harbor bitterness. Kids can argue and fight on a playground one day and come back the next day and play for hours with the same kids as if nothing happened. Children are dependent. 
Adults are skeptical and closed-minded. Children are open and receptive. Children receive gifts with such joy and abandon. Have you ever seen a kid open a present that they get as a gift? They can hardly contain themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. The kingdom of God is, to, is a gift to be received. Now, then Mark introduces the rich young man. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom, to inherit eternal life? Right? We have the children receiving a gift. Right? They're receptive. They're excited. They're joyful with anything they get. And against that, Mark introduces the rich young man. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And in true Jesus fashion, he responds to the question with a question. Why do you call me good? Now, that's sort of a buzzkill response, right? It says the rich young man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him, right? Jesus doesn't respond to that outward gesture, though. He forces the man to pause with his question. Why do you call me good? He's trying to help the young man understand. Let's look at Jesus' question. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God. So here's this rich man who is excited to get to approach Jesus with his question. He obviously recognizes him as a great teacher of some kind because he runs up to him and he falls on his knees in front of him. But Jesus' response is essentially, don't bow to a good teacher. Reserve your worship and devotion to God. All of us who have the privilege of standing up here on a Sunday morning and speaking are united in the idea that none of you should ever put us on a pedestal. Focus all your praise and worship and attention on Jesus. That's why we're studying Jesus through the book of Mark. So this man rushes up to Jesus to bow to him, and Jesus stops him in his tracks and asks him this question, in an attempt, I think, to stop him from making an emotional decision to follow someone he views as a good teacher. He's moving him to count the costs of where his question about eternal life is leading him. The man has a preconceived idea about eternal life, and Jesus is going to tell him, this eternal life thing is not what you think it is. It's a little different than that. If you don't believe me, ask these guys over here, because I've been living with them for a while now, and they still don't fully grasp what it is I've been trying to show them. So Jesus continues with the man. Right? What, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus goes on. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Right? These commandments that are listed, except one, refer to restrictions, right? the don'ts in the list, which we still use today to determine our right standing. Right? We've added to the list with some other don'ts and a lot of things we should and must do, but Jesus is looking deeper than our ability to regulate our behavior or to look good. So Jesus looked at him and loved him, noting that there was one thing he lacked. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Jesus looked at him and loved him. He wasn't angry with him, but he wanted him to understand that this life he was seeking was about more than doing the right things or not doing the wrong things. It's more than outward appearances. Remember, the telos of the Christian life is not about not going to hell. Right? The telos of the Christian life is to be included in the life of God. Josh illustrated that the past two weeks up here. We can get caught up in the list, right, in our lists, in our or others' maintenance of the list, and miss the deeper call to simply follow Jesus. When we follow Jesus, he sometimes puts his finger on something, 
right? You've seen Josh has done this a couple times, right? You've seen him put, Jesus will sometimes put his finger on something, right, that we don't want to give up. For this young man, it was his wealth and everything that came with that. But for some of us, it's our family, it's our job, it's our reputation, or anything else that we hold above or give higher priority than Jesus and what he is leading us into or out of. So don't hear me saying that everyone needs to sell their possessions and give it away. That's not Jesus' point. It's not my point. Jesus simply uses this man's attachment to his wealth to illustrate his point that when we attach ourselves to secondary things, we can't attach ourselves to the things he has for us, the things that draw us closer to him. When Jesus suggests that the rich young man go and sell everything and give it away, he walks away sad. Why? Well, as we've talked about, he likely was so attached to his wealth and what it provided to him. Even though on some level he must have seen its limitations or he wouldn't have run up to Jesus in the first place. But more than that, I wonder if he wasn't also sad because without his wealth, he's just like everybody else. Just like the poor people he has no relationship with. And that, I think, is also part of what Jesus wants him to understand about what it means to follow Jesus. It's not about us and them anymore. Us and them ushers a conquering Messiah into this that the Jews wanted. Us and them makes a call for Peter about which one of them is greatest. And that's not what Jesus is about. All right, let's look at Mark 10, 23. Okay, so the rich man walks away sad. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. So Jesus goes on to explain to the disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And they again are amazed at his words. Why? Because the culture they were raised in told them that those with wealth and possessions were blessed by God. So if this rich young man isn't in fact blessed, then who can be saved? Right? Who then can enter the kingdom of God? Who can inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells them, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That doesn't mean that with God we get all the things, okay? It doesn't even mean that we get some of the things when we want them, in the way we want them. Okay, then Peter chimes in in only a way Peter can. We have left everything to follow you. So we're clearly better than the rich guy, if rich guys have such a hard time entering the kingdom of God. I mean, we don't have anything unless someone gives it to us along these long walks we're taking with you across the countryside, or you decide to create basketfuls of bread for us. We left family businesses to follow you. Essentially, we've done what you told this rich guy to do and left everything, even the little that we had to follow you. Right? This is Peter. I might have had this very Peter moment this week. Um, but again, Jesus responds in a way to encourage Peter to pause, like he did with the, with the rich man's question. Before you get too excited, Peter, about how great you are, yes, you have left your families and friends, and this life I've called you to will provide a kingdom family for you, a home for you with brothers and sisters and families and mothers, but it will also come with persecutions. And again, Jesus reminds them that the first shall be last and the last shall be first, just as he said to them when they asked, which one of us is greatest? Now, by their standards, the rich young man would have been the first 
to enter the kingdom of God because his wealth and possessions and stuff demonstrated he had God's favor. But Jesus is explaining that their understanding is skewed. It's not their fault. It's the culture they were raised in. Remember, Jesus looked at the young man and loved him. He wasn't upset that he had this attachment to his wealth. He was just pointing it out to him, right? Just, hey, what about this thing? What about all that stuff you have? And Jesus was trying to help him loosen the grip on it, to take a step towards where he said he wanted to go, eternal life, abundant life. Even among Jesus' closest disciples, there is no hierarchy, right? This kingdom that Jesus is ushering, ushering in is not about status or tangible blessings, but about obeying a call to follow Jesus and trusting the one who calls you to lead you, like the little children that Jesus was talking about in the beginning of these verses. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these, those who come with humility and trust and openness and dependence and wonder, like we, talk, like we sang this morning, those who will joyfully receive the gift of the kingdom that Jesus is offering them, a gift that is impossible for man to earn. Right? Entering the kingdom of God isn't just hard for the rich person. It's hard for all of us on some level. Because one, we can't earn it. None of us can. And two, we all have something or some things that, are that we're holding on to, like the rich young man was holding on to. His just happened to be wealth. Right? In verse 23, Jesus talks about how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom. But in verse 24, Jesus expands that when he says, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God for all of us. Okay, back to our two questions. Why did Mark include this story here? Well, I think he's juxtaposing the Pharisees against the little children and showing us through the story of the rich young man that the kingdom of God is not about outward appearances. He did that with the hell and divorce passages, and now he's doing it again with this story about the rich young man. Because if you didn't get it once, I'll say it again, and I'll say it a third time. Hopefully, one of these times, it'll stick. Why did this story endure? Because all of us have things we need to let go of. Attachments to secondary things that impede us from the telos of the Christian life, from our good life, as Sarah likes to put it. Jesus tells the rich young man to sell everything, let go of his possessions, because for him, they are impeding him from following Jesus, something the rich man senses he needs when he approaches Jesus with his question. But it could be anything, right? What do we need to let go of? What is impeding us from following Jesus, from the telos of the Christian life? Our ego? Our reputation, our self-image, our need to be right, our need to be successful, our need to have everything under control, our need to be loved, our need for answers. Whatever that thing is, go and sell it. Leave it behind. There it is. <laughs> Leave it behind and follow Jesus, just as you are, right where you are. There's nothing you have to do first to do that. When he called Peter, all Jesus said to him was, come follow me. There were no preconditions on it. To inherit eternal life, or to enter the kingdom of God, you don't have to do anything. You have to, like a child, receive the gift that Jesus is prepared to give you. Right, if worship would come up in the prayer teams. If you've never received the gift that Jesus is offering, right, that he offers, that, we, that he encourages us to approach like a little child, if you've never received that gift, you can do that here today. We'll have teams up here that can pray with you. 
If you know there are things you need to let go of, we have teams here that will pray with you. Don't hold on to the secondary things. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the way you love us. I thank you for the way you gently nudge us. You invite us in to sit on your lap. I pray that we would never lose our ability to just sit. With a childlike wonder at who you are. To sit in your presence. to open up our lives to you, to let you poke around, bring some things into the light, and walk with us through that. I, I thank you for time and again, your willingness to do that for all of us. I pray that we would be able to see those things, call them what they are, and let them go. See how they don't work for us. And let you continue to transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just pray over you, Father. Um, I just want to say thank you for a community of believers that focuses on you, Jesus, as being the center of everything and then loves the way that you love. And today, I'm incredibly thankful for that. I just pray that each of us would be aware of your presence and, and choose to be with you as you are with us. And that as, as you put your finger on things, that we would hand them over for the good life. In Jesus' name. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that the power of the, of the Holy Spirit may abound in hope. In Jesus' name we pray today. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.